So uh, for the next uh, month or two, we're going to be uh, reading together from the book of Exodus. Um, we start this morning at the burning bush, and uh, we're going to wind up uh, together at the promised land. And uh, we're going to follow the journey of Moses and his people together for the, for the next several weeks. Um, so uh, this morning, um, as we read our scripture passage from, uh, from uh, Exodus 3, verses 1 through 15, I want you to keep in mind that uh, Moses has fled Egypt. Um, he uh, he uh, murdered a man. And uh, he fled Egypt, and uh, he went to the land of Midian. Um, There uh, he got married. Uh, He had some kids. Uh, He started a a business, uh, shepherding, and uh, he's he's stable. Um, He's away from all of his troubles in Egypt. He's in his comfort zone in Midian, and that's where we find him this morning. Hear now the word of our Lord. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. The home of the Canaanites, Higites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites. And now the cry of Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and lives this morning by the power of His Holy Spirit. 
Amen. So um, school is back in session, uh, and that means Friday night football games are going on again. And uh, this time of year, I can't help but think of one of the greatest football comebacks of all time. Y'all probably haven't heard of this. Um, See, it happened in the animal world um, when the big animals were playing against the smaller animals. Uh, They had uh, heard about football as something that the humans do in the human world and decided to give it a whirl. And so the big animals were playing against the little animals. Um, The uh, chipmunk was the quarterback of uh, of the little animals, and the lion was the quarterback of uh, the big animals. And the first half went exactly as you'd expect. Right. Um, every time the lion uh, threw the ball um, to uh, to the rhino, um, he would get a head of steam and he'd charge straight down the field uh, for a touchdown. There'd be uh, uh, fur and uh, feathers going every which way, and um, and the uh, the the big animals were dominating. Um, and so at halftime, uh, the little animals were all in the locker room. They were beat up. They were defeated. Um, the chipmunk tried to give them a rousing speech to get them ready to go, but, uh, but they just weren't having it. They were just in a slump. Well, um, the second half of the game uh, was dramatically different. On the first play, um, the elephant runs the ball up the middle and bang, he's tackled for a five-yard loss. And no one saw what happened. Like suddenly, uh, suddenly the elephant's feet just went out from under him and he, he fell splat on the ground. The second play, the rhinoceros tries to run the ball up the middle. Wops, tackled for a five-yard loss. Same thing, no one saw what happened, he just went straight down. So the third play, uh, the gorilla tries an end sweep, uh, led by the hippo throwing the lead block. Smack, tackle for a 10-yard loss. Back in the huddle, the smaller animals, they're giving each other high fives. Um, They're they're all excited. They're geared up. They're ready to go. Um, The chipmunk says, man, who has been making those awesome tackles? And, uh, And then they hear a little voice, me, me. And uh, at first they don't see where it's coming from, but then they look down and they see the centipede. I'm like, centipede, you've been making these tackles, that's great, the chipmunk says. But where were you the first whole half of the, first half of the game? And the centipede looks up at the chipmunk and he says, I was in the locker room tying my shoes. <laughs> this morning, I have a simple question to ask you. Are you ready? Are you still in that locker room tying up your shoes? Are you ready to go? You see, Moses this morning appeared ready. He came to Mount Horeb. He, uh, he saw the burning bush. He was drawn in by this mystery. He investigates it. He says, I want to see why this bush is burning but not consumed. So he looks closer. And then he hears this voice. This voice of God that says, Moses, Moses. And Moses responds, here I am. Here I am is a profound response. One that should challenge us this morning. You see, in Hebrew, um, if you want to say I'm here, there's two ways to do it. The common way is uh, po'ami, which means I'm here, I'm present. 
Um, if a, a Hebrew child in school, if the school teacher is taking role um, and says their name, they'll say Poami here. But that's not the word Moses uses when he says, here I am. Moses says, Hineni, which means, here I stand. I am ready. Here I stand. I am ready. In the Bible, Hineni is what you say when God speaks to you at a pivotal moment in your life. In the 22nd chapter of Genesis, when God is getting ready to test Abraham, he says to him, Abraham, and Abraham responds, Here I am. Hineni. Here I stand. I am ready. It also occurs in the 6th chapter of Isaiah. Isaiah is brought into the throne room. He sees the four living creatures and they're crying out to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The whole temple shakes. It's filled with smoke. And Isaiah says, woe is me. I am ruined for I am an unclean man of unclean lips. And I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then a seraphim comes to him with a, with, with a hot burning coal from the altar. And he puts it up to his mouth and purifies his mouth. And then Isaiah hears the voice of God and it says, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah responds, Hineni. Here I stand. I am ready. Send me. Hineni is a posture of readiness, of standing your ground, of being willing to go wherever God sends you. Have you ever been here but not here? Are you right now? (laughs) Thinking about that food in the other room? Hineni, here I stand. I am ready. It's about being fully present. Everyone here is present and accounted for. It's great to have a a, a full house. But are you ready? Are you standing here ready for God to move? So then Moses hears the good news. God says, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals to place your standing as holy ground. He responds in worship with with, with reverence. It says that Moses, at this Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then comes the good news. What Moses must have been ready to hear. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land. Now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Finally, finally Moses has to be thinking, finally you're going to do something about liberating the Hebrew people. Let me tell you, God, I've been praying about this for years. You go get him, God. 
God, I can't wait to hear all about it. Tell you what, when the Hebrew people are liberated, I want you to bring them back to Midian. I'm going to throw a big party. We'll kill the fatty calf. And we're going to celebrate your liberating work, God. It is such a relief. I can go to bed tonight and just sleep so sound knowing you've got this taken care of. But not so fast. See, God continues. He says, so now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God says, I have heard the cries of my people, so now go. This is the point in the movie where the music is swelling and then whoop, there's a record scratch followed by an abrupt silence. And Moses says, who do what now? Wait a minute. What? So now go? That part always catches us off guard, doesn't it? Moses has to be thinking, wait a minute. You're sending me? Listen, I am totally down with you, you delivering the Hebrew people with the mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And frankly, God, it's long overdue. But I was really kind of thinking you were going to do that. You know, without me. See, I've got this sheep business that's really getting ready to take off. And uh, my father, Jethro, uh, or Ruel, uh, I'm not always straight on that. He's really depending on me. And I can't just pick up and leave. I've got a wife and I've got kids. And Midian is, is pretty much home to me now. This really isn't a good time. But go in peace. Uh, All of you all will be in my thoughts and prayers. And um, and for good measure, I'm going to change my Facebook profile to something really pro-Hebrew. Of course, Moses didn't have Facebook. It was like 1200 BC. He had MySpace. But Moses doesn't say any of that. But immediately he starts looking for a way out. See, we're all ready. We're all hinani until God wants us to put skin in the game. And then we're, who do what now? What? I go, where? There's a story about uh, the guy that uh, goes up to the altar on Sunday morning. And he prays, use me, Lord, use me. Use me, Lord, use me. And uh, so uh, the next day, the pastor calls him up and uh, says, could you come down to the church and uh, help uh, Chip paint off the pews? So the guy does it. And, uh, and the next Sunday, he goes down to the altar and says, use me, Lord, use me. But in more of an advisory capacity. <laughs> the good news The good news for us is God does hear the cries of the oppressed and the downtrodden. Contrary to what you hear, God does hear those cries. But his response is to send us. His response is to send us. And so Moses isn't truly ready yet. He's got two questions he needs answered before he can truly be ready. And these are the two questions I think we all need answered before we're ready to respond to God's call. The first question is pretty simple. 
He says, who am I? Who am I to go to the Israelites? God, I'm not equipped for this kind of work. I stutter a lot when I get nervous. I have no real experience in liberating. Uh, I didn't get a degree in leading nations. And I don't know if you know this, but I'm actually a wanted man in Egypt right now. Um, in my defense, it's not written in stone anywhere, and I'm not supposed to do that, but I did kill a guy. I'll probably be arrested on sight if I go back. Also, the Israelites don't really consider me one of them. I was raised in a palace, not in slavery. They're not going to listen to me. I think you need someone else. Many of us react the same way when we hear God calling us to do something. God, you've got the wrong guy. This is for someone else, not me. I'm not qualified. These people aren't going to listen to me. I don't have the education or the experience or the skills. I know I've done that before. Very recently, when I felt God calling me here to be your pastor, to be honest, at first, I didn't feel up to the task. I don't have the education or the experience. I'm figuring this out as I go along. And they don't seem to be in a big hurry to train me. <laughs> and so here I am. Here I stand. You know? And, uh, and, and I had these objections in my head before I came here. And one of them, I know this sounds pretty shallow, but I was really worried that I wasn't country enough to come here. That y'all were going to expect me to be like, you know, like driving tractors and hunting and stuff. I've never shot a gun in my entire life. I'm going to be honest. Crystal has. She's great at it. Uh, but, but I've never done it. During the zombie apocalypse, she's going to be out there foraging, and I'm going to be like in the house with the windows and the doors boarding up, reading stories to the kids. But you know what my biggest fear, my biggest objection was? God, I'm not Mark Miller. Like, it didn't take me long, like, to realize how much he loves you guys and how much he pours into this. And, and, and for, for me to look at that example, those were some really big, really loud shoes to fill. And I didn't know that I could do it. I still don't. But here I stand. Here I am. And God's response to Moses, I love this. Moses says, who am I? Give me a pep talk, God. Who am I? And, uh, and, and God's response is, I'll be with you. Right? God doesn't say, no, Moses, you're totally wrong about yourself. Like, I've been watching the way you've been shepherding the sheep, and, and I think you need a promotion, and, um, and you're the greatest there ever was, and you're the only person I, I can do this with, and I need you on my team. No, God accepts the premise. I don't know who you are, 
Who cares? I'll be with you. Who are you? You're the little guy with the stutter standing next to the Alpha and the Omega, the King of the universe, the Lord of all creation. It doesn't matter who you are. It matters who God is. Which brings us to Moses' second question. Let's look at that part of the passage. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. You have brought the people, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. God said, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? See, the next thing Moses asks God, after he says, who am I? Moses asks God, who are you? Who are you? Oh, you're going to be with me? Great. I feel better already, but who are you now? I mean, I'm not asking for me per se, but the Israelites are going to wonder, who sent me? Who are you? What's your name? Isn't that the true question? The question behind all our other questions? Who are you? See, sometimes we say we don't want to help because we don't feel called or equipped, but the truth, the molten hot core of the matter is that we're honest with ourselves. If we're honest with ourselves, we don't really trust God. We need to know just who this guy is that's sending us. We're like the guy that, uh, that falls off a cliff. He's out hiking, he falls off a cliff, and uh, he has the presence of mind to reach out and, and grab a branch on the way down. Um, he looks up, and it's too far for him to climb, and he looks down, and he knows that if he lets go, a spell certain doom. And uh, as he's hanging there on that branch, his, his hand's beginning to shake. And so he, he looks up into heaven, and he says, Is anybody up there? Is anybody up there? I'm here to tell you the heavens open up. There's like this choral music. And this bright light. And uh, he hears this voice. It's God. And it says, I am here, my child. And, And the guy cries, Oh, oh, thank God. I need you to save me. And the voice says, I will save you. Just let go of the branch and fall into my arms. And a man holds the branch for a second. Then he looks up into heaven and he says, Is there anybody else up there? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right? Who are you? Why should I trust you? Why should I let go of this branch for you? Listen to God's response. It's not entirely satisfying. He says, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. See, we mystify this sometimes. God is the great I am, right? Um, But when Moses heard it, it had to not be a very satisfying response. Who am I? I am who I am. Tell them I am has sent me to you. Then God also said to Moses, 
Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. See, God says, I'm the God that was with your fathers. I'm the God that will be with future generations. And I am the God who is with you right now. I am that I am. It can be translated, I will be what I will be. This is the name of God. I am present. I was present. I will always be present. This is what we mean when we say the Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh. I am that I am. Sometimes faith is just faith. Sometimes I am is all we get. Sometimes I'll be with you has to be enough reason to go. Sometimes we just have to respond, here I am, here I stand. Send me and let the chips fall where they may. So we come back to this question. Are you ready? Are you ready? This is usually the point where I wrap it up in a bow and, and end with this abstract call to go and uh, serve God. But I'm going to get real concrete here. See, I've got some buckets to move. Here are some numbers according to ABC News on Friday afternoon. Hurricane Harvey made landfall on Texas three times, pouring more than 20 trillion gallons of water. This is enough water to supply New York City's needs for five decades. The hurricane did over $125 billion worth of damage. 185,149 homes have been damaged or destroyed. 364,000 people have registered for help with FEMA. 42,399 people were in shelters as of Friday afternoon. 80% of Texans don't have flood insurance. 13 million people in Houston are without health insurance. During the height of the storm, 911 call centers received 900 calls for help an hour. 900 cries for help an hour. And I'm here to tell you, God heard every single one of them. God has heard the cries of his people and he is concerned. But this morning he's telling us, so now go. Are you ready? UMCOR has told us they want five things. This is the United Methodist Committee on Relief. Um, All of us, uh, our offerings that we take up every week, 10% of that goes uh, to the United Methodist Church and and a portion of that goes to UMCOR. United Methodist Churches around the world are supporting this relief organization. And because of that, when you donate to UMCOR, 100% of everything you donate goes directly to the affected area. Because... Just our offerings, our normal offerings are paying everybody's salaries, paying every, all the overhead costs. 
when you donate to UMCOR, you're donating directly to the affected areas. They said they want five things. Keep the people of Texas in your prayers. Okay? That is paramount, of paramount importance, that we be praying. Two, make relief kits. Um, I've got these buckets here, and next to the buckets are packing slips. Um, it costs about $60 to do one of, uh, one of these buckets. Um, for my family, that's a night out at Applebee's. All right? you, can take a, you can take this bucket. Um, you can take the packing slip. And the, second, the third thing they say is pack just the items on the list. Um, uh, they have special reasons why they've asked for these items the way they've asked for them. Um, and then uh, you can take those buckets and bring them back um, by September the 17th, and it can go out, um, go out in the first uh, wave of buckets. Now, the reason why we have till, uh, till September the 17th to do this is there are already buckets down there right now that were already ready to go um, from past hurricane uh, relief efforts. Right? UMCOR is on the job, and we're replenishing the stock because this uh, this is going to take a while. Um, and then the other thing you can do, uh, the fourth thing is that you can, uh, you can go to umcore.org. Um, it's in your bulletin. You can go to umcore.org and you can uh, donate. And like I said, this money goes directly to the affected areas, 100%. This isn't paying anybody's salary. Um, we already do that throughout the year. Uh, this goes directly to the people of West Texas. And so you can do that at umcore.org. And then the fifth thing, wait for the invitation to volunteer. Um, more than likely, our district will send a group at some point. And that is something we can all be involved in and helping. Um, if you know how to swing a hammer, or like me, you're willing to learn to swing a hammer, right? Um, you can be a part of the relief effort. Okay, um, now I know everything I listed doesn't describe everybody, right? We don't all have the money to donate. Some of us have the time to donate, some of us don't. But there's something on this list all of us can do. So now, go. Like me, you were probably moved this week by the story of Sergeant Steve Perez. Um, during the rainfall, um, he died trying to get to work. His superiors said that he, he, uh, he searched for a way to work for two and a half hours. Uh, every time he turned down one alley, the flood was too great, he had to turn back. Um, finally, uh, he died driving under a dark underpass. Went straight into the flood. Didn't even realize it. His wife pleaded with him not to go that night. To let someone else handle it. Don't go down there. It's too dangerous. And Sergeant Perez looked at his wife and he said, we have work to do. See, when the time came, Sergeant Perez answered the call. He said, he nay nee, here I stand. I am ready. Send me. And God calls out to us this morning. Now the cry of my people has reached me. I am concerned. So now go. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
Amen.